This is the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 902, a replay episode, an interview with Rob Scott. Welcome to the Hidden Why's 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about, with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learn to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. Today's featured guest is Rob Scott, a former guest on the Hidden Wire podcast. His topic is meaning. Rob Scott is a master level coach and the founder of Fundamental Shift, LLC. His work has influenced hundreds of thousands of people, helping them to shift their identities. He helps them evolve their consciousness and create profound changes in all aspects of their lives. The result of this shift is a person who is living to their full potential and achieving levels of success they once thought impossible to reach. Rob says that we are all meaning-making machines, and this is his topic, meaning. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rob, welcome back to The Hidden Why. How are you going? It's going great. I'm very happy to be here. So good to have you, mate, and uh, thanks for coming back on the show for my new segment, 30-minute power segment, if I can spit my words out correctly. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, mate, look, I look forward to discussing your topic today, which is meaning. Um, Tell us, what is this topic all about, and why does it have meaning to you? Yeah, so... You know, the human animal is constantly making meaning, right? It's it's we're trying to determine what's true, what's a, an illusion, you know, what's safe, what's not. And what I find as a coach is that the meaning that we make has much more of an influence over our happiness and our disposition and what we're capable of kind of, uh, you know, taking on in our lives. And I find so many people that are making uh, not useful meaning or, or, you know, less than useful meaning in their life. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, happiness is, is the goal, I believe, for everyone. The underlying motivation, yeah. the thing that uh, drives us forward on our paths, um, whether that's uh, intentionally or non-intentionally, but uh, certainly that makes a lot of sense. So meaning really ties us to that. Um, and, and it's- Well, so, yeah, it's, it's essentially that, I mean, we're really meaning-making machines. Like, yeah. that's what we're doing as we go around. And so I think one of the big assumptions that people make almost unconsciously it's something that we don't challenge very much it feels like there's this very real uh permanent world out there and we're just separate from it and we're trying to relate to it and understand it and you know that's reality and i'm trying to deal within reality and what we're finding through neuroscience and other things is that it it may be very different than that you know like a photon hits your eye and that fires a neuron uh, literally in your eye and in your you know your whole nervous system starts to fire off and what's happening is is that we we have what's bodied simulation of reality right so we're almost creating reality in our own head 
And when you meet people that are making very similar meaning to you and have very similar values to you, et cetera, you seem to think they're very sane and you like them. And then people that are making very different meaning, um, you know, this is good, that's bad. Uh, I like that person. I don't like that person, right? That meaning that's very different than yours, they seem, you know, minimally very different than you, maybe weird, maybe even an enemy, right? And so this meaning making that we're doing, this kind of navigating of quote unquote truth, it becomes really important because many of us are walking around with uh, a lot of delusions, a lot of delusions about uh, what we believe to be real, what we believe to be effective strategies, what we believe are the ways to happiness. So one, you know, very simple delusion might be that, you know, money equals happiness or something like that, right? Yeah. And so we, we end up with this big purpose of I've got to be rich, I've got to be rich. And we never actually grow the muscle that is learning how to be happy in the present. Maybe we even get good at, you know, fun, creating goals and, and achieving them. Uh, but we just get to a goal and then there's another goal and we're, we're caught in this delusion of becoming and we never get there, right? So becoming really good at making meaning that is useful to us and creates happiness and creates high function and creates success uh, is one of the shortcuts and one of the most important things that we can do. And I don't hear too many people talking about this. And so this is something that I focus on very deeply. And uh, I have uh, a few different ways to help people kind of navigate this in a certain sense. So getting good at making meaning. Yeah. So, you know, we we have been, and I talk about this a lot. Uh, you and I have talked in the past. We, we might have even gone over this. I mean, we're, we're bred to believe as human beings, meaning that the, the humans that were safer were ones that were able to make meaning of like a rustle in the grass, right, noise. And even if they were wrong, even if that rustle was just wind, they got scared of it and they believed it was a tiger, um, you know, they avoided the danger when it happened to be a tiger. And the people that didn't make that same meaning maybe got eaten by the tiger. And if they got eaten by the tiger, they didn't forward their thoughts, they didn't forward their genes. And so literally like our ancestors who were from, were the ones who were really good at making up beliefs, right? Making up meanings about beliefs. And so it's almost like we're bred to be belief-making machines. And in the creation of those beliefs, many of our beliefs are really helpful to us, but many, many, many of them are really limiting. And so, of course, we've heard of limiting beliefs and all that stuff. Yeah, so, so as there's obviously a link to, you know, the, the fundamental human need to survive and, and reproduce. Correct, Whereas yeah. Whereas it's not and, so much the case perhaps in this novel society that we live these days. Exactly. And that's, as I recall, that's something you and I discussed last time. It's, it's, you know, survival has not become as difficult as it used to be, yeah. but, you know, pattern into our genes is this really hyper attention to danger and survival. And we make up meaning, you know, we make up meaning to do that. Um, you know, I know that that look from my boss meant that I'm going to get fired, right? And so we have this assuredness of meaning, which is what a belief is. And so then we navigate in these beliefs. And to us, they feel like they're true, but they're really not true. Uh, or many of them aren't true. And there's certainly things we can move around with. So when we end up with limiting beliefs, like, you know, I'm a loser, or I'm never going to be wealthy, or I'll never make this money, or whatever those things are, we need to start editing our own meaning making. Like, yeah. that's really the shortcut to do that. So I want to give like one example of that. What's happening in that meaning making is we have a judgment muscle. It's this quality of our consciousness. It's really judging what's going on around us. What does this thing mean? And in that meaning, we are lost in thought. And so I want to speak to like the direct difference between two realms of our experience. We have thought and then we have experience and they're, they're not the same thing. And so I have, um, I have like a free meditation challenge that I give people. And the overarching idea of this challenge is 
over a handful of days, can you navigate the difference between when you're thinking and when you're experiencing? Because if people invite you to meditate, a lot of people are like, well, just stop thinking, right? Hey, just go ahead and stop thinking right now. And anybody who hears that who's not worked on that before is like, how do I stop thinking? Like, what would I do to stop thinking? My point here is that if you literally just focus on any sensation in your body, and for many people, that's like the physical sensation of breathing. But if you focus on any sensation in your body, like what your elbow feels like right now, or what your hand physically feels like, if you're not judging that and thinking about the quality of it, or calling it good or bad or doing anything, and you're actually just experiencing like the tingling in your hand, and everybody listening can take a second and just notice like the air on your skin, or maybe the sound in the room around you. As you're experiencing those things, I'm gonna suggest that we're not thinking about those things, we're actually just experiencing them. And so the muscle in your brain that is good at experiencing things is a different muscle in the brain than is judging and thinking about things. Now most human beings today, certainly in our culture, uh, are walking around constantly thinking. We have this running thought, right? And so there's these different levels of thought. Some people are thinking all the time and they're not even aware that they're doing that. They just think that's the only reality. There's nothing other than that. Um, Level two is probably people who are uh, thinking all the time and they know they're thinking but they don't know what to do about it, right? It's like this is, it almost feels like it's, um, you know, like hell controlling. Yeah, like it's like hell on earth. They're like, like I just can't stop thinking. I'm incessantly worrying. I'm uh, analyzing everything. I'm exhausted from it. I just can't stop thinking. You know, level three is where we really gain this understanding, and it's much simpler than most people think of, oh, like these moments where I'm just like in the moment where I'm actually just feeling my foot on the ground or I'm just listening to a song or I'm just considering how beautiful a rose is or I'm feeling my breath if I'm meditating or whatever, those are experiences. And we're in and out of these all the time, but we don't give ourselves credit for them. If you start to hang out in those more, you end up building this muscle that is you're dropping out of the meaning making in the moment and you're actually just with, you know, not to be weird about it, but maybe the poem of life or the beauty of life in the moment. And this is really where joy lives. This is where like when you're laughing with your friends at a bar, um, even when you're going to judge the experience as good, even when you go, man, I love this. As soon as you stop kind of experiencing the joy of it and the laughter and the feeling of that, and you start thinking about it, what happens for most people? They immediately go, man, we don't do this often enough. How can I do this again? This is really fun. I want to keep doing this. And you've immediately like muted the actual experience of joy in some way because you've begun thinking about it. Right. And so we're doing, we're jumping back and forth between thinking and experiencing, thinking and experiencing, many people just get lost in thought and they're they're really disconnected from experiencing. And if you think of like a meditation master or whatever, he's very capable of staying in experience much more and he's not judging everything. Everything just has an isness quality to it. It's not good or bad. It doesn't need to be judged. It's like, oh, like the leaf is falling to the ground and the grass is growing and there's a real deep contentment and experience there. So I call that being present, right? Just quite simply being present. And so when we're lost, and I don't know that I set this up well enough, like the meaning making machines that we are, that skill that's important, it's helped us survive, it helps us build bridges and do all these things. I mean, it's, it's the thinking muscle. The problem for many of us is that we don't know that there's also an escape from that. And that instead of having that thought be something that we're trapped in all the time, we can actually kind of downgrade it to appropriately where it should be, which is our thought should be a tool of ours that we can use and employ when we want to, and we're much more capable 
it off when we don't want to, mm-hmm. right? So another example that I often use for people is like, you know, if you're, say you're making love to somebody that you really care about, there's a version of that where you're really present with it, right? You're smelling the smells and you're feeling the kisses and you're, you're really loving the presence of it. And then there's a version of it where you're like, does my partner like this? You know, am I good at this? Are we having fun? Is this going on long enough? Like what's going on? And that's the difference between being in it, right? Experiencing it or thinking about it, right? Mm. And that, that thinking about it creates this layer and it's actually a layer of suffering. It's a layer of judgment. And again, it's really important. We need it. It's an important muscle. It's one of our huge advantages of being human. We're better than any other animal on the planet. But to some degree, we're lost in it. And in that, we don't have a real connection to feeling deeply happy, feeling tons of wealth, being really good at being in the moment, et cetera, okay? So that's the first little thing about becoming a master of your meaning making, right, is to build a muscle where you can actually turn off the engine of thought and just simply come back into experience and just do that a little bit more frequently. Give that more credit in your life. Uh, Don't call yourself bad at it if it's hard to do. Just notice when you are doing it and really open up to that. So the first one would be to be in the present, right? And that's just through a practice of like awareness, mindfulness, meditation. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So one absolutely fantastic way would be, you know, a short daily practice of like just trying to focus on your breath, right? Like, and that builds the muscle of this other part of the brain that kind of grows experience and gratitude and all these things that are actually what we want all the success for, right? The reason that we want money is we want, we think that that's going to lead to more happiness, more fulfillment, more security, all those things. That happiness and that security is actually right here, right now, when you can settle into that state of mind, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, some people have legitimate concerns. If you're getting beaten up, you know, it's not the time to relax, that's the time to run or fight or call the cops, right? Like there's, there are times when we need to do other things, but most of us, most of the time, could be way more uh, in an experience of fulfillment happiness, purpose, you know, all the stuff that's important to, I know, both of us, right? Yeah. So, um, so gaining mental mastery of the meaning that we're making in any moment is the shortcut to this, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're bad at making meaning, even if you become good at making money, you won't know how to make the meaning that makes you happy even if you have the money yeah. very often, yeah, okay? So this, this is the only skill that really matters. So one is to escape thought entirely. That's the the first little tip that I want to give you. The other one is that when we are thinking this meaning making engine, so if we just leave experience and now we're just going to be like, hey, I do want to think, I want to be in thought, which is important a lot. There's different parts of what makes up the experience that the thought gives us. So we, you know, to a great degree, when you're depressed, there's depressing thoughts that are driving that. And there's a connection between your emotions and your thinking because we're a holistic being, of course. But Um, The body sensations that are happening, you know, when you ask a depressed person, what are you thinking? It's like, you know, I'm really sad and I'm focusing on this and I'm focusing on that. So as we change the meaning, we can actually change what our state experience is, whether we're happy or not. Well, there's two parts of that. One is what I call lenses, right, that are in the the brain. And lenses are uh, just like any good lens in your glasses. They're built to be uh, invisible. They're built to be looked through. So you're not really supposed to notice the lens itself. And the lens actually changes what you see. Well, most of us think that we're making this perfect meaning, but we're actually altering the meaning of things through our own lenses, through our yeah. own limits, our protection mechanisms, all that, right? Yeah. Well, the other side of that is what are we actually considering? What's the frame of our attention outside? So literally, what am I like looking at? 
Um, and so the first move is if you're overwhelmed and you're making a meaning that's making you sad, the first move is what I mentioned before. Can you bring it back to your breath? Can you get into experience? Can you allow that um, sensation, whatever's going on for you, to be what it is, okay? Let's say that you don't want to do that or you actually have to find a way out of this. The next level would be to change the frame of your attention. We're not going to change any lenses or any beliefs that you have in the moment. We're just going to change like, and this literally looks like if you're looking at pictures of your old girlfriend and it's just making you miserable, you know, go to the movies instead or read a book. If you wake up in a panic attack in the middle of the night, you know, and you're staying there and it just won't go away, well, get up and go get a glass of water, like walk around, literally move the frame of your attention uh, away from whatever you're focusing on because right. our attention, right? Um, and so that alone will, will move it. Now, if it's a persistent lens or limit that you're carrying in, in your mind, we need to gain the confidence to challenge the meaning that we're making. We need to actually you know, have a sense of, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I'm experiencing this as true, but let me challenge it. Is this really true? And so we need to have the awareness to go into what am I believing is real right now? So if I hear myself say something like, you know, I'll never make money or whatever, Right. The level of meaning making that needs to change there is we need to go, well, maybe maybe that's not true. What if instead, like, I, you know, I just thought to myself, I love when I make money, et cetera. Right. So now we're starting to go in and edit our focus. Right. Our, what we're focused on and what our beliefs about it are is what makes up the meaning in our system, in our thinking. And uh, gaining mastery of each of those levels of it is really, really profound and can be really, really helpful to people. Absolutely. What a marvelous uh, process. And you've explained it so beautifully. So I don't know if I can really get anything uh, more out of that. Um, when we talk about meaning and, and meaning making, is that really um, similar to what our perspectives of things are? Yeah. So perspective is a, is a different thing. This is, I could talk about this endlessly. So it's, it's really funny. You've, you've hit another big word, right? Um, perspective is literally like all of this is sort of almost navigating truth, right? The human animal is constantly trying to navigate and find out, like, what's true? What's trustable? And it, this is a longer conversation, but truth is actually kind of weird. It, we think that we have direct access to truth and what we see is true, but we, we can very easily be fooled in lots of ways, uh, you know. Uh, philosophers forever have have wondered, you know, we could we could all just be in a dream, and you know, there's really no way to prove that we're not in a dream. And then there's an other end of things where people think there's this very uh, serious reality outside us, and it's if we can just look at it close enough, we'll we'll find the secret to it, and it'll be endlessly real. Uh, but as we look at that through the quantum mechanical stuff, you're, we're finding that it gets weirder as we look closer at it. So, um, so we're we're not quite sure. And then there's the amount of truth, like how much truth are we talking about, et cetera. Well, one of these problems is, you know, are we talking about objective truth, which is outside us? Like you and I can look at something and we can agree that, okay, you know, we're in a room together. That is a table over there. That's true. But there's a, a truth that I don't have access to, which is your perspective. Like I will never, I'll never know what it is to look at that table from behind your eyes. You literally may process colors differently than I do. And I, all I can do is talk to you about that, but I can't know that. Meaning I don't have access to all perspectives of truth, right? And, and so we can take perspectives further, you know, in, if we talk politically, um, there's a conservative perspective about politics. There's a liberal or, or progressive perspective about politics. And the person who can hold more perspectives, you could imagine they may actually have access to more truth, right? Whereas 
the person who is slamming down into one person, making sure that they're saying, this is the right perspective. I'm right. There's no other way to look at this. This is the, this is, I have access to truth. That's almost fundamentally always an error because we can see that since I can never see from your perspective and there's now billions of people walking around with personal truths that I'll never have access to, the best we could ever have is a partial truth in some sense or a useful truth um, on the subjective level, right? On that internal. So never absolute level. truth. Yeah. So, so absolute truth becomes this very hard thing to even define. It's like, well, we've got objective truth, which is like, when did that happen and how did it happen? And can we all agree on that? And that's super useful. And science leans on that heavily. And we, um, you know, there's a lot to say about that, but so, even so, as sorry, that goes, just with that objective yeah, sure. truth is, so when there's, there's enough evidence collaboratively, we can say that, yeah, that's, that's pretty true. 99% truth, uh, because there's little counter evidence to suggest otherwise. And, and most people can agree on that. To a useful level, 100%, right? We, yeah. we're, we're building all of science on that. We're getting great results of predictive qualities and all those things. And so, yes, that's totally useful. But there's still that weirdness of like, is this all a dream, right? Yeah. So to say that it's 100% true is still, you know, at any okay. one time, we could have science have some brand new discovery that really shakes up like the very basis of reality for us. And we would all go, oh, well, now that we know that, you know, like all of this other stuff isn't quite as true. So leaving just a little percentage for that. Yeah. Objective truth is literally that there's there's two parts to everybody's experience. There's objective reality, which is external. We can all see it as objects like it's out here. And then there's subjective reality, which is that inside reality of ours. Right. Like nobody knows what your feelings feel like. That's yours. We don't have access to that. And so if you're talking about total truth, right, we would hope that it would include objective and subjective, you know, all of reality in that. And yeah. some of that can't be seen by others. So that's a very weird space of like what's really true. So in any case, but even in a different dimension, right, if we talk about time, there's a perspective of the past, there's the present, there's the future. So those are all quote unquote perspectives, right? Um, there's work in psychology based on uh, Jung's work of shadow, where you actually go through first, second, and third person perspective to heal something psychologically. And all I'm pointing out here, this might be, you know, gibberish to some people by now, but what I'm saying here is in any situation of consciousness, as we're living life, there are many perspectives arising all the time, right? There's the I perspective, there's the you perspective, there's the we perspective, right? There's all those. And as we each get better at considering each of those to inform our own personal truth, the more wise we are, I would suggest, right? The person who's going, no, my truth is the only truth, it's the only important truth, we can hear them as being almost immature or limited, right? And the error that they're making is they're saying that my truth is total truth. And that's a very continual error. Another example of this is like, there might be an objective truth that a science uh, that a scientist finds uh, where he goes, I found the neuron in the brain that is happiness. And let's say that that all of science, you know, is is up in arms. They're so thrilled. Like, yes, we've found happiness. That's great. But then there's a meditator somewhere else who's like, no, 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 that's not happiness. Like, I'm experiencing happiness. This is true, right? Here's my experience of happiness. And the scientists would be like, oh, you don't get it. Like, I've found it. it's right in your brain. You don't know. It's just this brain thing. And the meditator's going, no, I'm feeling it. It's this different thing. And so if you could just imagine them arguing, they're both right. They're both talking about happiness, and they're both talking about their own personal truth about it and whatever their lens is and whatever matters to them. Yeah. But they're in an argument because they're they're not – you know, able to see both perspectives. So, 
you know, you, you started a longer conversation with the word perspective, but like there's a lot there. <laughs> it's been it's been a good one to, to certainly um, take away. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, what, so, so we want mastery of more perspectives if we can. We want to widen to that because it leads to more wisdom. So, so widening our perspectives and, and the amount of perspectives that we can open ourselves to is going to be beneficial for us. Um, and I assume that's going to link to, to the meaning that we create as well then. 100%. And, and what's great is we can start to be able to hold paradox, right? We can start to get into a thing and say, well, from this perspective, that's true. And from this perspective, that's true. And if we could do that globally, we can start to honor different people's values. And we can start to say, well, I don't value that, but I understand that you do. And I can see it from your perspective. And now we can cooperate and get along and have less wars, etc. If instead we go, our way of life is the best way of life and your culture is wrong and your values are wrong and your beliefs are wrong, then I'm saying that my truth is my perspective is the only perspective. That's the meaning that I've made. As I hold on to that, I would call that maybe more delusional, right? It's not a more full truth. It's a more limited truth. And that is what leads to most of the dysfunction, the wars, the personal upset, all the different problems that we have. So, you know, to wrap this fully back, human beings we are in we are meaning making machines and if we have no mastery over that meaning that we're making if we're not very good at that if we're just a pinball to all the you know photons that are hitting our eyes and all that and we're not becoming wise to how we make meaning and what that means and what all the perspectives are involved uh etc and what people value what their purpose is what my purpose is all that stuff the less we do that the more ignorant we are the more we fight the more we suffer uh, the more we don't succeed. But if we get good at mastering meaning, if we get, get good at realizing that there is thought and there is experience without thought, right, which is literally the way to turn off thought is to just be awake and experience. If we learn within thought, we can play with our frame of our attention and the meaning that we're making in the lenses. Then we start to gain a much deeper mastery over our meaning making, our brains, our wisdom, and we can be much happier and successful. Well, wow, well said. Good place to wrap it up. I can see you. Um, very knowledgeable on this topic and very passionate about it too. So I thank you for sharing, Rob, and coming back on the show to share that with the audience. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. How can people best reach you? Yeah, I have a, I have a, in the, the one thing is they could go to backtobreath.com and do that free seven-day uh, meditation challenge if they wanted to do that to play with their own awareness. It's yeah. really fun. People rave about it. Uh, they can go to robscott.com to uh, see my blog. And if they're interested in something I do called identity shifting, they can go to identityshifting.com as well. Good stuff. Guys, check it all out in the show notes. Rob Scott, thanks for coming on. And guys, uh, thehiddenwide.com, that's where it's all at. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwhy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in the hidden why, click the ratings and reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. 
Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is the Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Arnoldsey. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.